Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hey, everybody, this is Casey Stubbs, and this is a new episode of the How to Trade It podcast. And I'm here with Alan Sama, the head trader at Option Genius. Alan, did I pronounce your last name right? Yep, you got it right on the money. Okay, Alan Sama from Option Genius. Thank you for being on the show today. No, thank you for having me. So it's a pleasure and an honor. Uh, so I forgot to ask you this in the beginning of our pre-conversation. Uh, where are you from? I was born in Miami, grew up in Florida, and now we're in Houston. So been here for about 20 years, um, 20 plus years. So half the time in Florida, half the time here. Okay. Um, Texas isn't bad. I was born in San Antonio. And, oh, cool. Uh, my brother now lives in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I go down and visit. It's a pretty nice area. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, if you can stand the heat, <laughs> it grows on you. Um, yeah, but I mean, when I when I first came here, it was like you know, it was it was a culture shock, um, and it's it's really it's really desert. You know, I didn't know that. I was like, and then because um, I came from a, like a tropical climate with Miami, and then you come here and it's desert and it's hot and humid, and it's concrete, concrete, concrete. So. I was like, man, I'm not used to this. But eventually you get used to it. And they have different parts in the state. You know, some are hilly, some are flatlands, prairies, all that stuff. So there's a, it's huge. It takes a, if you start driving, it takes you a whole day. If you go from Houston, you drive east. No, you drive west. You can drive for the whole day and you'll still be in Texas. Well, you know, they say <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. And uh, speaking of bigger, tell us about those big trades you're making these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I do something that I call uh, passive trading. It's um, a take on using stocks and options together. So mainly we we buy high quality companies that we get income from with dividends, and then we sell options to boost our returns. So it's it's not the high fly fancy stuff where I can make you know 100% on a trade, but I'm making small base hits over and over and over again on a consistent level. And then eventually that compounds and grows from there. So um, it's, it's, I found that for my temperament, you know, I'm, I'm not really good at technical analysis. I'm not really interested in sitting in front of the screen all day and watching the news and trying to take advantage of, you know, a few ticks here, a few ticks there. So for me, it's like, Hey, if I could trade for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day and earn a full-time income, then that's that's the way I want to be because then I want to go live my life and do other things. So um, it's not about you know one or two big trades. It's about a few smaller trades that all have high probabilities and that they just you know usually work, especially when the markets are calm. Now markets are get you know when the markets are a little bit um, hectic and volatile, then you obviously need to put in a little bit more time. Um, but I really prefer it when markets are like calm, simple. It's just, you know, put it on time decay. You know, when you're buying options, time decay works against you. When you're selling option, it works in your favor. Um, so every day that goes by, the options are decaying, decaying. Eventually, I either take them off or they expire. And um, 
it's for me at least it's a it's a more stress free type of of trading than a lot of the other stuff that I've tried. Well, you know, maintaining your stress is really important um, in trading because if you get stressed out, you can make a lot of mistakes and it can cause you a lot of uh, even more stress if you do something dumb. No, definitely. Yeah. So I I like this concept here and um, I have had a couple options guests that do something similar. I had one guest, uh, his name was Alan Elman and he did covered calls. Mm -hmm. I learned a ton about that. And so it sounds like you're kind of doing covered calls with a little bit of a twist because you have the dividends added on. Yeah. So, um, so we like to say like, you know, you have your foundation, which is the stocks that you own. And those are covered calls, some things that you want to own for the next 15, 15, 20 years, right? (coughs) Sorry. And they're, they're giving you dividends. You sell covered calls on those. We also add in naked puts because we want to buy more shares at a cheaper price. And then we also add in credit spreads, which are trades where you're only selling an option. It's a spread. So it's risk defined. You know your risk and you know your maximum reward before you get into the trade, but you don't have to own any stock. Um, And then... After that, those are like the basics. And then if you go a little bit more advanced, then we also trade oil options on futures. Um, so that is, it gives me a little bit of excitement because it moves a lot faster. It's a little bit, it's more leveraged, um, but it still has the same dynamics where I don't have to be a hundred percent right on the chart. You know, I could still, I could say, oh, I think oil is going higher, but even if oil starts going sideways or starts moving down a little bit, my trade would still work out because of how far away from the money I'm selling and the, and the time decay. Um, so yes, it's like we use covered calls. That's one of the strategies, but then we add in other layers as well um, because the covered call is a great strategy in a bullish market, you know, in a bearish market it doesn't work so well. Um, if things are really volatile, then it, you know, everything changes and I want to own my stocks for years and years. And so the covered calls that I sell, I sell them in a way where I don't want to lose my stock. And so I'll sell them out of the money and just collect income, keep my stock. So I keep my stock appreciation. I keep my dividend and I get the the yield from the covered call as well. Okay. So let's talk about your base portfolio without the options at first. So you're, you're buying companies that pr- they give a dividend companies that you want to hold for a long time. What's your, what do you look for as far as dividend output and how do you select these companies? So it's, I don't go into that, you know, it's not that um, strategic. It's stuff that are maybe companies that I think are going to last for the next hundred years. So you got, you know, you got your McDonald's, you got your Walmarts, your Starbucks, big name companies that, Maybe um, you go into and you use yourself. You're a customer of. Um, I tell some of my students that you can also look at companies that you're more familiar with. Like if you're working for a company, you know, definitely you have a better idea of what's going on in that company. Like, are they having layoffs or or are they expanding? Can they, you know, if they have a problem keeping products on the shelf and there's a backlog, that's a good thing. So you should be buying more shares or you should be trading that one and and adding to your portfolio. Um, So it's really not that. Uh, complicated in terms of what companies to buy. Um, if they have a good dividend, then you know that they are cash flow positive so that they can actually pay the dividend. 
And when they start cutting dividends, that's when you know, okay, this company's starting to get into trouble. Maybe this is one I don't want to have. Um, but as long as they're they're able to um, pay the dividend, and there, are, you know, there's the dividend aristocrats and dividend kings and all these different names that they have it for companies that keep increasing their dividend. Those would be ones that if you want to, you can own for a long time. So I look for those types, but I also look for the ones that have options and they have liquid options so that we can generate the income from selling options against the stock as well. So um, some companies like Coca-Cola, you know, you would think, hey, this is a great company. They've been around. They're going to probably stay around. But when you go to trade the options on Coca-Cola, it's not the premium that you get is not very high. And so the risk reward doesn't work out. And so that's one that I don't um, trade options on. Do you have a minimum premium that you're looking to get on each uh, sell that you make? Depends on the strategy. Um, so for my credit spread trades, I'm looking for 10% in a month. I don't do a trade if I can't make at least 10%. Um, on my covered calls, I am really looking at how much I can get without having to sell the stock. So I want to sell out of the money. And, right. you know, if I can get 1%, 2% a month from that, I'm, I'm happy. Um, in, a, in, a bear, in a bullish market, you know, I'll be selling naked puts as well. And so for those in a margin account, I'm looking for somewhere around 3 to 6% a month on those. Um, and so in a retirement account, you know, you're probably, you'll make a lot less. It'll be about half of that. Um, but I do, I do them in both. What so. type of option do you sell when you sell? Uh, let's say you have a covered call, you're collecting dividend. Do you do monthly options, weekly options? How far out do you like to go? Yeah, so me, it's more mostly, you know, being as passive as I can. So it's a monthly option. Um, and in my retirement accounts with my covered calls, I'm really only even logging into the account a couple times a month. You know, I'll lock in, I'll look, go in expiration day and I'll be like, hey, is this expiring or do I need to like roll it or adjust it? And then if it expires, then I'll come back in the next Monday and then sell another one. So um, not really that much time at all. Um, in those, but mostly I like to stay in the monthlies. Um, I think weeklies are great, but they are a lot more riskier in terms because um, it's just because of the time is not there. The deltas and the gammas and the vegas and all that. You have to understand how all those Greeks affect the prices. And then if something bad happens, if it goes against you, you don't have time for it to recover. So you have to, you know, you're behind the eight ball and then you're trying to catch up. So. Okay, so so you're you'd probably do something like uh, you'd get a monthly option, and then you'd you'd get it thirty days out, and then when it expires, you just get it for the next thirty days. And every month, you're going to be selling an option as long as you're holding that stock, and you're trying to catch it at a place where you're not going to have to buy the uh, the option back. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm looking for you know uh, an option where probably like an 80% probability that it's going to expire worthless. Um, sometimes 75, sometimes 85, depending um, how much I can get for premium wise. Um, but yeah, pretty much you nailed it. So month to month, just keep rolling it. You know, I'm trying to get my cost basis on the stock down to zero. And then, you know, after that, you're just playing with the house money. So. What do you mean by cost basis down to zero? So let's say I buy a stock for a hundred bucks. Right, I buy 100 shares for $100, and I can sell an option for $2 against it. Well, now I just collected $2, so now my cost basis on the stock is 98. I paid 100, but I got two, so now it's 98. Next month, maybe it's 96. 
94, 92, 90, 90, and then just goes going down. So Okay, so you want to get it to where it was basically free free money. If you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then at that point you got free money and then you just keep that and you're now you're it's paying you. Mm-hmm. And you can buy more shares. I mean, if you get your cost basis if you get your cost basis to zero, that means you have enough, probably depending on the appreciation, to buy another hundred shares. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you yep. can accelerate your uh, growth even more because now instead of making uh you're making double on every time you sell an option. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, some students, they like to take that $200 and buy a couple of shares right away. Some of them hold on to it or they buy something else. But in some people, they just take the money out. It's like, oh, hey, I made 200 bucks this month on this stock. I'm just taking it out and I'm going to take my wife to a really fancy dinner or something. You know, see, every if, if they're retired, they take it out. If they're still building up their nest egg, then they usually leave it in and compound it and keep growing it. Okay, that's a pretty good strategy. So if you get... Uh... If you get a base, let's say you got a base stock of like one of these solid companies, like you said, that's going to be around McDonald's or whatever, um, you know, you're roughly getting like 4% a year, maybe. I mean, there's, it varies, but 4%. And then what additional percent would you say could you, and just be like average it out, don't tell me the very, or maybe tell me the very best or the lowest, but what additional percentage ROI could you get just by doing monthly options on that? <clears throat> so, um, you know, most of the ones that I'm looking at, the dividend will be around 2%, somewhere around there. Um, sometimes some a little higher, some a little lower, depending on what you, what you go for. Um, but on the covered calls, I'm looking at about maybe one, one and a half, two 2% a month. And then on the naked put, you could probably do around two to 3% a month in a retirement account. That's actually pretty, pretty solid. I mean, yearly, what would that add up to annually? Uh, on average, probably around 20, you know, yeah. if you're only doing the covered calls, because if you do 1% a month, that's 12. Uh, hopefully, you know, you get a couple on the dividend. So that's 14. And then maybe the stock goes up six. So, you know, around 20. Well, I'm not a math wizard, but I do know that if you're doing 20% a year, uh, and you're adding money to the account, uh, you're going to do really well. It grows very quickly. Yes. <laughs> and that's just, you know, and the covered call is the the least yielding of the strategies. You know, like I said, the credit spreads, those can make 10% a month. That's what we aim for. Now we do have losses and, you know, so even if I'm, even if I can make 5% a month, I'm like super happy, you know, that's 60 a year. That's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, so just sticking with the base here before getting to the next strategy, um, what's your downside on these covered calls? Well, again, it's companies that I want to own for a long term, right? Companies that I don't think are going out of business. So they don't have a lot of debt. They're strong. Um, Starbucks, McDonald's, I don't think they're going anywhere. Walmart's not going anywhere. So let's say we do have a correction or even a bear market. You know, the stock might drop 15, 20%, 25%, 30%. But I still own it. And so I can still every month go in and sell covered calls against it. So you're still making money. You could, depending on where you bought it at, you could be underwater. Yes, technically I could be underwater, but if I'm looking at a long-term horizon, you know, it's like, hey, I want to own this thing for 20 years. If it goes down, that's great. I can buy more at a cheaper price or use the money from my covered calls, the, the money that I'm getting from selling the covered calls to buy more shares when it, when it dips. 
Well, you know, honestly, if you, if it goes down, um, you could get your cost basis back a little quicker. Exactly. Because then you can, you could buy another hundred shares for maybe half the price. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, the Corona bear market that we had, that was a, a great time. And, you know, I was picking up stuff left and right. So it's like, okay, this is working really well. And since then, you know, I mean, all the strategies have been working. Covered calls have been doing great. Naked puts have been doing great. Credit spreads have been doing great. It's been a phenomenal um, time after that bear market with everything just coming back up. So, you know, I'm looking, so right now I'm looking at McDonald's. You brought that up. So I picked it up. I've been just kind of playing with it, running my mind around this uh, stock. Mm Mm-hmm. one of my favorite places to eat, so you can't really go wrong there. <laughs> yeah, my wife's trying to get me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my kids love it, so that's that's one thing. But anyways, yep. and, and I'm using the kids as an excuse, but I kind of like it too. But, <laughs> yeah. um, so let's say you sell a call. You're, I'm looking at you know this month, the high of the month was two fifty, two forty nine ninety five. Okay. And I buy a monthly call and I'm like looking at the price and I'm like 260. I'm going to I'm going to sell a call for 260 and collect the credit, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I get the credit into my account. Yep. And they give me the money, whatever it is, you know, 350 bucks. Now, what happens if tomorrow that thing has good news and they got a new recipe for the Big Mac and it goes up to 270. Mm-hmm. What happens to that call that I just sold? So now you're known as what's called in the money. And so if there is plenty of time left to expiration, you're not in any problems, right? And what you could do is now technically how a covered call works is whatever price you sell the strike at. So you said, I think 260, right? Yeah. Um, technically at expiration, or if you get assigned early, you would have to sell your shares at $260. And so you're, you don't have to pay any additional fees. You just get your shares at 260 Yeah. So it's basically like as if you sold them and, you know, you pay the commission on that, but you sold them, you get $260 per share credit into your account. And then, you know, you could move on to something else or That's buy them again or whatever. That's terrible if you bought the shares at 250 No. So, I mean, you're making a profit. You made $10. You make $10 on the stock plus whatever you collected on the option. Um, yeah, okay. Now, the problem here is, oh, man, the stock went up to 270 so I lost $10. You know, I could have made that $10 extra, right? Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, like oh. right. And so what you could do in that case is you buy back the option for this month, the 260 that you sold it, and then you sell it again at the next month. So this is called an adjustment, like a roll. You can call it a roll. Some people call it a roll. You basically you're buying it back, so you're going to pay a little bit more than you sold it for, and then you can sell another one at the same strike a month or two down the line, and you'll get more credit for that. So you're actually collecting more money. You're extending the trade, and now if the stock comes back down, then you keep your shares. You don't have to give them up. Yeah, don't you lose money somewhere in there though? Like if you because you have to buy something back, so you're losing. So you're paying a little bit to get it to to sell it, right, or to buy it back, but okay. then you're selling it again at a higher price. So so whatever you lose in that ten dollars on 
on your option price, you gain by selling additional credits on top of it. Right, because you're going further out in time. So you're selling more time value. Yeah. What happens if it just keeps going up? Well, then at that point, eventually you'll probably be like, okay, I'm tired of rolling it and I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. Or you could, um, you could, if you want to keep the stock desperately, then you can roll it higher. And at that point, you know, you go from 260, you buy that one back, then you sell the 270 and you buy it back, you sell the 280. At that point, you'll have to pay for it. But the stock is appreciating, but you're giving part of that back when you're continue to roll it higher. So that's why, um, you know, like right now, you, you mentioned that the if the stock is at 250, I wouldn't sell the 260. To me, that's a little bit too close because I don't want it to, to lose this. The, I would probably go to maybe 270, 280, where even if the stock runs up 20 bucks, you know, 10 percent, I'm still not worried about it. I'm still so not going to lose still it. You'll get even more money on the buyout. Right. So instead of making ten dollars, <clears> there, you're making 20. Yeah. If it goes up that much. Right. Right. Yeah. But my but my my win. thing is my thing is I just want the option to expire. Right. I don't care if the stock goes up or not. Well, if it doesn't, that's great. I would be upset about selling <laughs> stock for $20 a share profit. No, no, I mean, you know, but some people they're like, "Hey, you know, I have had this stock for a long time. I don't want to pay the taxes on it." So for that reason that we continue rolling. But if you're if you're in a retirement account, it doesn't matter, you know? I do. I don't know. So what I would do was just take it and move on to something else. Another thing that you could do is let's say you sell the stock at 260, right? You collected all that money. Now you can go and you can sell a naked put on that stock. And you can make you can get paid for selling that naked put. And let's say you sell a naked put at 250. Now if the stock goes back down at 250, you get to buy it at 250. That and you, is a good idea. <laughs> and and you collected money from the naked put that you sold. So now you have your shares back. So I just have to – oh, man. So I have to actually repeat this so I understand it in my own mind, in my, in my brain. Okay. All right. So I get I get called out. They I make, you know, whatever, $10 a share. I get mm-hmm. called out at 260 so then I don't own the shares, but I made the 10 bucks a share. I collected the credit and now I sell a put for two fifty. Mm-hmm. I get the credit. So I get paid to sell that put. Yep. And then if it drops, I buy the stock back. Yep. If it doesn't, you just keep the credit. Yep. And then you sell another put next month. And then if you get the stock at two fifty, then guess what? We sell another covered call. Dude, you're the smartest man alive. <laughs> well, I'm not the only one doing this, you know. I mean, that's that's Warren Buffett's strategy right there, you know. I mean, when he wow. wants to buy a stock, he doesn't go out and and buy the stock. He goes and he sells puts. You know, it's funny because I I always tell people I'm on this I do this show for myself so I learn from smart people. And I've heard other guys on this show and sometimes it takes you to hear it a few times. I've heard other guys on the show mention that strategy before, but it just I guess it didn't really sink in. Hopefully this time I won't forget like I did last time. <laughs> but that's really smart. I almost don't see any downside. I mean, I guess the only downside is that if the stock continues to drop, you're gonna be, you're gonna own it again. Yeah, at, at a higher price. Losing stock, right? But it like why would that matter if you're collecting credits on it? If it drops too much, so we don't do this. I, at least I don't do it on meme stocks. 
You know, I don't, if, if yeah, something yeah, is going to yeah. go from 100 to 150 yeah. tomorrow and then 200 and then back down to 29, right. I'm not touching that. Yeah. Even though there are a lot of people out there who trade options, they're like, those are the ones you should sell options on because you get so much money for the premium. I was like, dude, I couldn't sleep. You know, I mean, I'd be adjusting it and messing with it all the time. I don't want that. That's why I want a stock that's not moving. You know, it might go up a couple percent a year. I don't care. I'm just making money from the options. If the stock doesn't go up, I'm happy. You know, the bigger the stock, the bigger the company, the less the stock will move. And as long as I'm getting my dividend and I'm selling my options over and over and over again, I don't want the stress. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, this is crazy. So I'm just looking at the McDonald's chart. I got a little fun fact for you. You might already know this because you trade it. Since 2003, McDonald's has only had two down years and both of them look <laughs> like flat. Yep. That's yeah. Pretty awesome. It's been a good one. Um, and I was, I was trading Walmart, which is in a similar category for me. You know, it's a very large company, probably not going out of business, paying a dividend, good business model. Um, but they had uh, a year a few years ago where they actually lost money. You know, the stock was down like, I don't know, 15% or something. I made money trading Walmart that year because I was doing this strategy. You know, I was selling puts. And then I got assigned and then I sold covered calls and then I lost it and then I sold more puts. So I ended up the year positive on Walmart, even though the stock itself, if I had put the same money into the stock, I would have lost money. Right. And you could have uh, taken that and bought more stocks and then next year it went up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is good. So, um, so what do you need? I mean, I, I guess your, um, your basic is based off your needs. I, we talked about that at some point. I don't know if it was before the show or after kind of blends together, but we were talking about, you know, if you have a certain standard of living, mm -hmm. you know, you need to keep that standard up. I guess I think that one might've been before the show, but if you need a certain standard of living and you need to, you need to keep that, that money, that same level of cash flow. So let's say you're, you made $3,000 a month in your job. What do you need to be able to live off of $3,000 a month? doing options trading? So again, it depends on how active you are, depends on what strategies you're using. So we've been talking about, you know, very passive, you know, maybe 30 minutes, an hour, a month maximum, you know, and just playing a couple of the very low yielding strategies. Now, if you 
say in, you want to take the same strategy and you want to go play with weekly options, well, you can go from you know two percent a month to four percent a month. You can automatically double it, but you're doing it every week instead of every month. Will a weekly, if you sell a weekly call, mm-hmm. you get the same percent as you would a monthly? Is the is the premium about the same? No, um, but it's about half. Okay. So because you, you got to do four of them, right? Yeah. So if I can, I'm doing one monthly versus four weeklies. So, so I can twice as much essentially. Yeah. You can do that if you want to pay, put in more time with just D strategy. I mean, that's not a lot of time to go in and look at the options change and, and sell an option. Like, no, I mean, most people there, if they're active and they enjoy this stuff, they're checking their stocks almost every day anyway. You know, right. like, oh, what's, what's my account doing? Okay, cool. You know, um, and then when you see that theta decay, when you see those options going down every day in volume and value, you're like, oh, my God, I'm making more money. Oh, my God, I just right. made money today. Uh, so it's fun. And then the other strategies that, that I mentioned earlier, I mean, some of those can make 10% a month. And so you need a lot less in capital when you're doing those because you don't for those, you don't even need to own any stock. You know, with the covered call, the biggest drawback is you got to own 100 shares. If you have a smaller account, you know, maybe you have a $5,000 account, $10,000 account, it's hard to do a lot of those with 100 shares of like a McDonald's at 250. But if you do covered calls or if you sorry, if you do credit spreads on the same stocks, you only need say 500 a trade. And if you put in 500 on a trade, you can make 50 bucks in a month. That's pretty good. You don't need a lot more to to do that. So we have students who only do credit spreads and they have very large accounts, you know, 500 million. Um, and they've been averaging about five to 6% a month. And so they're like on top of the air. They're like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. You know, I, I can't get these returns anywhere else. Um, and so it, it's, it's doable. Um, you have to put in a little bit more time. I mean, it takes a little bit more time to learn it and then to understand how it works. But, I mean, the returns can be enormously crazy, especially if you compound them. Oh, my God. If you compound them, it goes astronomical numbers. Um, we took a look at like I have a um, a variation of what's called the credit spread. I call it the layup spread because I have a certain setup that I look for to get in and then certain way to, to manage the trade. So I've been trading that for about nine years. Actually, it's more 10 years now. Um, and so I went back. And I looked at every single trade that I had put, real money trades, and I put them on a spreadsheet. And I was like, you know what? What if I started with $100,000 and I put $20,000 in each trade? Now, I was doing either five trades or less in a month. I never did more than that in those nine years. And so I don't, you know, so it's not a lot of time to monitor, not a lot of time finding trades. You're only looking for five trades a month. And so I put 20,000 in each one. This is hypothetical. I didn't really do this, but if you look at the numbers and then whatever you make, you compound it and you put it into the next month. So you don't have to hold, wait a whole year to compound your money. You're compounding every single month. Right. Now, over the, over the nine years, that account would have gone from a hundred thousand to 1.1 million. And that is like, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I'm like the dumbest guy in the world because I didn't do it. I actually did all of those trades with real money, but I didn't keep compounding it like I, like in the example. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, 10, 10 X return in nine years. That's, that's pretty cool. You have to actively do the compounding 
strategy yeah. you have to figure out how to increase if you want yeah yeah if you want to yes yeah it's this it's that's a little different because what we were talking about before is basically like a cash flow type strategy mm -hmm. I mean, you're still going to grow your account so if we had um a hundred thousand dollars so so just you know if we had a hundred thousand dollars and we wanted to maybe even just do one stock mm -hmm. you know you could probably buy um you know you could buy a lot of you could buy like 500 or 600 shares of Walmart or something. Yep. And then sell, you know, you sell your, <coughs> sell that 600 shares. I mean, that's, that's pretty good cash flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if we look, if we did, you know, if we take a look at the McDonald's that we looked at at 250, that's 400 shares, right? right. Now, um, if that was the only thing you wanted to do, that's fine. I would probably leave a little bit and use credit spreads as well. So I might use maybe 70,000 or 80,000 for stock and then sell covered calls on it. And then I might use the other 20% for credit spreads and you could do it on the same stock. And if you're making, you know, 6% average, 5% average, that just compounds more than doubles what you're making on the, on the stock and the cover credit. So if you wanted to be a little more aggressive, you just do credit spread with the whole amount. Um, yeah, that would be really aggressive. Um, yeah. you know, and as you, if you have a smaller account, then that makes a lot of sense. But if you have a larger account, then, um, you know, I would, I suggest with our, with our passive trading ways, like, Hey, build a foundation. And you know, that way, if the market drops those stocks, you're still going to own it. You still have that asset that you could continue to cash flow. Because if you're only selling options and the market drops and your trades lose, well, guess what? You're out of money, right? Or you yeah. took a really big loss because you only have the options and the options have that time frame and they expire. So with the stock, it doesn't expire. You can always like a piece of property, you know, you can just rent it out. Yeah. Even if it, even if the real estate values go down, you're okay because you're still going to collect rent. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app. Or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. Collecting rent. Okay. I got one more question and then I want to talk about some other stuff because I'm really <coughs> satisfied with this conversation. <laughs> like I just feel good because I learned something. And if you, if the people that are listening, they're like, okay, I can do this. You know, like anyone can do this. Like this yes. is not that hard. Um, mm -hmm. So my, my last question is if the stock that you're basing it off of, um, is there a point when you actually cut your losses and sell it and take your loss if it's having a downtrend? Um, yeah. So if it's something that I feel that the underlying fundamentals of the stock have changed, then I will sell my, sell my shares. Um, so 
you know, if if uh, a company is going through like a restructuring and they're laying people off, they're closing stores, they're having trouble, like they're not expanding, you know, they're having issues with franchises or whatever. Flows, their revenue is dropping. Exactly. They're cutting their dividend. The stock is declining. You know, it's it's like, let's say it's not in a bullish phase anymore, not even going sideways. It's going slanted downwards. Um, those are all reasons that I would say, OK, you know what? Now it's time to bail. Um, let me find some other company that's doing better and I'll, I'll shift my, my funds over there. Um, every once in a while, you'll find something in ha that happens and changes in a company. Like um, for years, you know, years back, Chipotle was hot. You know, it was a momentum stock. It just kept going higher and higher. And then they had all those health issues, you know, E. coli breakout. And then they had to close their stores and then they had to do more store closings and health issues. And, and so that stock just dropped and it changed the fundamental picture of the company for a while. And so when something like that happens, you know, maybe it's uh, a CEO leaving that ha might have something to do with it or, you know, a company changing direction where they want to go in the future that might like, you know, um, Berkshire Hathaway. It's been a great stock to own for years and years. When Warren Buffett eventually kicks the bucket, I don't know. I don't know if it's going right. to be a good stock to own anymore. Right. Hopefully it is, but maybe not. Um, and so at that point, I'll make the decision. Yeah, you know what? I don't like the way the company's going. I'm I'm getting out. Yeah, uh, shares. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a friend of mine. He was um he 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 emailed me and he's like, hey, I want to learn about this option stuff. I'm like, why? He goes, oh, because um Steve Jobs has cancer and he's gonna die. So when he dies, Apple stock's mm -hmm. gonna go through the roof. Yeah, you know, it's gonna go through the floor. Yeah. And so I want to play with options. So I'm like, okay, you know that makes sense. It's a good thesis. Uh, in that case, it didn't happen. You know, the stock did fine, <laughs> but um, that would be one of the reasons if something like that changes, then yeah, then I would, I would look to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you, um, have you had to, to let go of stock like that? Yeah. Um, so one of my holdings and it's not a dividend company, but it's a company, it's Facebook. Um, you know, I, for our company here at Option Genius, we do a lot of online advertising. And so I understand, you know, how Facebook makes money from their advertisers. I understand Google and Twitter and how they, you know, how the advertising model works. So I feel like I have a better feel for how they're doing as a company. Um, but now with all of the negative press and a lot of the things that Facebook is doing internally, um, where they are catering more to bigger accounts, ad accounts, and, you know, banning and kicking out small companies. Um, that, to me, shows that they're not really looking at growth. They're I'm not just... going to buy a stock from a company that treats me like dirt. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I, there's just no way. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, so if, if they're not looking to grow yeah. by adding more adding accounts instead of they're yeah. kicking advertisers out – then you're going to make less money. And so I'm looking at that and I'm like, yeah, maybe this is, maybe the, the ride is over for now and I'm going to, I'm going to bail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good stuff, man. Well, awesome. So um, I'm going to break off of the trading stuff because I'm good. And so cool. I think our listeners got some meat, something that they can walk away with and just, really uh benefit from and that's that's what i'm looking for so thank you for delivering that awesome so i want to ask, ask a couple other questions so mm -hmm. i saw in your notes um that you wanted to climb mount kilimanjaro tell me about that 
So, I mean, um, you know, that's like one of the things that's on a lot of people's bucket list. And so um, I read a book. To me, I've always wanted to travel around the world and see all these different places and different things. I'm kind of a scaredy cat, though. You know, I'm like, well, what if they don't like the food? And what if I get sick and all this kind of stuff? So um, but it, I talked to my wife about it and I read this one. A friend of mine actually went up there as well. And um, I read this one guy's, you know, travel log or travel memoir or whatever. And he had to train for it. And it's the only mountain climb that's really big that you don't have to use all the equipment. You know, you don't have to scale it and learn and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, cause when I think mountain climbing, I'm thinking the guys with pickaxes and, and ropes tied to each other and danger and, you know, you could die and stuff like that. So this is the one where you actually walk up the mountain, but it's really steep. It takes several days. So you got to be in shape. Um, so that's why I picked this one. Cause I can walk it up. <laughs> okay. All right. So what's your timeline on it? Um, I don't know. I want to do it for my 50th birthday, which is coming up in about five years. Okay. And I'm actually waiting for my kids to be a little older too. I got three young ones. So I want to do it as a whole family. So me, my wife, and the, and the three kids. Okay. So my youngest families do that. They have families that do the whole thing. I, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are, there are people that will outfit you, I guess they're called outfitters, right. <laughs> you know, you, you hire them and they'll tell you, okay, we're going to take this trek and we'll bring all the equipment and we'll bring all the food. And all you got to do is just do the walk-in, you know? And so for them, for, if we do it that way, it costs a little bit more money, but if you do it that way, then yeah, the kids can, they don't have to carry their backpacks and, you know, all the cooking gear and food and all that stuff all the way up the mountain so they can do it. So um, you have a guide and they carry the food for you. Yeah, they got those porters, you know. Yeah. Um, they carry everything up and down for you. It's the lazy way to do it. That's the American way, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you can pay somebody else to do it, why not? Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. That's amazing. I like that. I, um, I did a 70-mile hike last summer. Awesome. I live in eastern Pennsylvania. And so it was in the mountains and it took me like four days. Was it that that's the Appalachian trail? It wasn't the Appalachian no. trail. We're not quite that far East. I'm in Eastern PA. Okay. Um, I actually don't even know what they called it, but it was just a hill, <laughs> but it was, it's, it was really fun. I mean, yeah. It was really fun. I had, I did a quite a bit of training for it and mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not a lot, but I would go hike every day for two months, you know? And yep. after work, just go. But it was it was one of the best times just because of how quiet it was in the woods, being all alone, peaceful, out in the woods. It was how, how many days did you take? It took about four days. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. I mean, and it seemed like every day my strength was getting better. You know, like I, I could go a little further each day. Mm -hmm. So you you get you you notice your endurance going up pretty quick. But I would absolutely love to do something like that. I. I'll have to think about it, adding that to my list. That sounds a lot of fun. Yep, there's that one. There's like, you know, Machu Picchu, um, supposedly. Um, that one is a, a good climb as well that you can do in a day. And they have two versions of it. They have the hard version where you're, you know, you're going up the old-fashioned way, the way that you, people used to do it. And then they have the, like, the bus trolley version where you can go up faster. <laughs> um, but, one of the ones locally, that, I and mean, it's not local, but I've looked at it, was Grand Canyon. They have mm. to go across from rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. Wow. 
And that is you start up at like 8,000 and you go all the way down. And when you're down, it's like sea level. Mm -hmm. And then, so it's like a roaster, like it's so hot down there. Man. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, going down, probably not that bad coming up. That's going to be, that's oh, going to be tough <laughs> going, going back up. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something. So I I've looked at that one too. I haven't made any moves on it, but yeah, it would be fun. I love doing stuff like that. Yeah. We've been to Grand Canyon one time, um, you know, just driving by, we were driving from Texas to California and um, we stopped there. There was a thing that we did where they have these helicopter tours um, so, you know, they take off a little bit further away from the rim and then they take you up into the Garand Canyon. And so the, the company that we used, they had a helicopter and we sat in the front and the front bottom was glass. Um, so you could actually see your feet, you could see below you. And, um, this was like one of the coolest experiences ever, because what happened was, you know, you're, you're going on the helicopter and you're, you're skimming along, you know, you're, you're off the ground, but you're not off super high. And then you're skimming around and you can see the trees, you can see the grass and you see the edge coming, coming, coming. And then as soon as it crosses the edge, the whole floor just drops. Yeah. And, and you're like, looking at it, you're like, ah! you like know, falling off a building. Exactly. And you're still, you're safe in the helicopter, but that shock is like, oh my God, I still remember it to this day. You probably like, you know, mentally that you're in the helicopter, but like your subconscious might not know it. <laughs> yeah. And you see it, you see the edge coming, you see it, you know, you're like, Oh, we're going over. Okay. And then when it does, it just, it just sheer down. And you're like, it's kind of like you're flying fly in down in it. No, 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 they stayed, they stayed up. up. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. That was, wow. that awesome. was my, well, uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I know that you have a, a book about passive trading Yes, we do. Uh, tell me a little bit about your book. And if anybody is interested that's listening to the podcast, how can they get a hold of that? So all the stuff that we talked about today, you know, the basic strategies, building up your, your foundation in stocks and which ones to choose and whatnot. We cover that in the book. Uh, it's passive trading. That's the name of the book. How to generate consistent monthly income from the stock market in just minutes a day. Um, and we also have plenty of examples. So it's like, hey, you know, the stock went down, but I still made money on it doing this strategy. And these are all the trades that I made over that time. So there's cool examples in here. There's stories from other people that are doing the same stuff, um, a lot of our students. And so if you go to PassiveTrading.com, it's just PassiveTrading.com. Um, all of your listeners can get a free copy of the book. We'll ship it out to you. We just ask that you pay for the shipping, but we'll pay for the printing and, and send it out to you as soon as we get it. Um, and... You know, um, that's probably the best way to get into options. Like if you're if you never traded options before, if you're interested, you're like, yeah, I want to start generating some cash flow on my portfolio. That is a wonderful way to get started. And it's really in like I said, it's passive trading. So it's we, we look at it in a way where it doesn't take a lot of time. The less time, the better, the simpler, the better, you know, and um, it's really about hitting base hits. You know, singles and doubles. We're not looking for grand slams, but we're looking for them over and over and over again. And then we talked about this a little bit earlier that when you're talking about stress in trading, you know, if you're using a strategy that you win once, but you lose 10 times, I mean, mentally, that really messes with your head, you know, because you just get failing, 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 failing. But when we do it this way, we're actually winning eight times out of 10 times. 
Right. So it becomes like, wow, I'm I'm hot stuff, you know. I just win, <laughs> win, 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 and that's the way the system is set up. So it's really hard to mess it up. Wow. Well, for everyone that's listening, it's PassiveTrading.com, Alan Samus book. I really recommend that you guys go check it out. I mean, I'm a huge reader, and so I've read hundreds of trading books. And I usually get something out of all of them, but some are much, much better than others. You know, it's like the thing where you find the good ones and you throw out the rest. And Mm -hmm. I can't say that this is one of those amazing ones, but it sounds really good just based off the conversation. Uh, So I'm probably going to grab a copy myself. And um, I recommend that you guys do that. Just go. The link will be in the description, but it's what I like about it. It's easy to remember. Great deal. You're going to learn something. So I recommend you just go ahead and do that right now. And uh, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a wonderful. It's been a pleasure, Casey. I love talking to you. Uh, Me too. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. And we'll see you on the next episode of the How to Trade It podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.